Africa service of Vatican Radio. Welcome to our half-hour daily program for Africa. Welcome to your Sunday liturgy. This is the program that accompanies you as you prepare for the Sunday Eucharistic celebration. After the Sunday liturgy, you can listen to our bulletin of church news that will be followed by Panorama. Then, our feature, The World Around Us, with news about our environment. I'm Father Paul Samasumo. In the Catholic Church, we have three pillars of Lent that guide us during the six weeks of repentance. These pillars are prayer, fasting, and charity. First Sunday of Lent. A reading from the book of Genesis. God said to Noah and to his sons with him, See, I am now establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, all the birds and the various tame and wild animals that were with you and came out of the ark. I will establish my covenant with you that Never again shall all bodily creatures be destroyed by the waters of a flood. There shall not be another flood to devastate the earth. God added, This is the sign that I am giving for all ages to come of the covenant between me and you and every living creature with you. 
I set my bow in the clouds to serve as a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow appears in the clouds, I will recall the covenant I have made between me and you and all living beings, so that the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all mortal beings. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter. Beloved, Christ suffered for sins once, the righteous for the sake of the unrighteous, that he might lead you to God. Put to death in the flesh, he was brought to life in the Spirit. In it, he also went to preach to the spirits in prison, who had once been disobedient, while God patiently waited in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few persons, eight in all, were saved through water. This prefigured baptism, which saves you now. It is not a removal of dirt from the body, but an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert, and he remained in the desert for forty days, tempted by Satan. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The gospel of the Lord. And now with this week's Sunday Liturgy Reflection, here is Father Enobong. Having realized who we are, God's children in Christ Jesus, and at the same time being prone to sin, we have to be steadfast in our commitment to prayer, fasting, and works of charity. These activities, which we are to carry out during this Lenten season, help us put to death the activities of the flesh while we strive to be alive in the Spirit. Being alive in the Spirit means we have to be conscious of our sinful state, renounce them and return to our merciful God, who is good and upright, who shows his ways to sinners. This is not a time of judgment. No, it is rather a period of mercy, a moment of salvation for all who have fallen short of the glory of God. It is a decisive moment. We should journey with Christ if we anticipate winning the struggle of our sin. We are called to repent and believe the gospel. In Christ Jesus, our victory over sin is assured. He's ready to accompany us throughout this 40-day journey, if only we give him a chance in our lives. Let us then in humility return to the Lord by forsaking our sinful ways. Let us put on the new garment which Christ has won for us by his victory over sin and death. Sin has no power over us. 
because in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Rather, there is mercy and fullness of redemption for the sinner who comes repenting. This is the period of mercy, the moment of salvation. Please do not let it pass you by. We pray for the grace of a repentant heart. May the message of Christ in all its richness continue to find a home in our hearts through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Peace be with you. Father Hilary Munyaneza, Robin Peary, and Father Enobongo Daijong contributed to the program. I'm Father Paul Samasomo. Do stay tuned in for our Bulletin of Church News and later the world around us, all about our environment. Saturday, Pope Francis received an audience members of the construction board of the Holy Family Basilica of the Spanish Archdiocese of Barcelona. In his address, the Holy Father referred to the year of prayer he inaugurated last month in preparation for the Holy Year, which will be observed throughout 2025. He told the members of the construction board of the Holy Family Basilica of Barcelona that the temples of God like the basilica they look after should be real places of prayer where the faithful come to meet God. He described how the basilica's style of construction depicts the themes of faith. Each porch, for example, is illustrated by passages of scripture. The first door has an image of Jesus preaching, while the central door has the image of the Holy Family. The Pope said these themes invite the faithful to reflect on their salvation and encouraged the body members to welcome pilgrims who come to the Basilica and to introduce them with a prayerful attitude to contemplate the symbols on the Basilica. The General Secretariat of the Synod of Bishops announced on Saturday that Pope Francis had set the dates for the second session of the 16th Ordinary General Assembly. The session will take place here in the Vatican from October 2nd to October 27th this year. It will continue the work of the Synod on Synodality on the theme for a Synodal Church, Communion, Participation and Mission. The opening of the session will be preceded by two days of a spiritual retreat, which will start on September 30th and conclude on October 1st. 
Meanwhile, on Saturday, Pope Francis released a document establishing the creation of study groups to examine the themes that emerged from the discussions of the first session of the Synod on Synodality, which was held here in the Vatican from October 4th to 29th last year. The study groups will be formed among the competent dicasteries of the Roman Curia and the General Secretariat of the Synod. They will be coordinated by the General Secretariat of the Synod. The papal document clarifies that some of the most significant themes that emerged from listening to the churches will require a substantial amount of time for theological, canonical, and pastoral reflection. In accordance with the synodal process, the study of these themes will involve experts from all continents and the dicasteries of the Roman Curia. The Archbishop of the Catholic Archdiocese of Libreville in Gabon, His Grace Jean-Patrick Ibaba, has invited the faithful to change their mentalities and habits and to get more committed to God. The Archbishop made the call in this year's Lenten message he released last weekend. He said the faithful need to deepen their relationship with God through prayer, fasting, almsgiving, and meditation on the word of God. Referring to the transition period the country is going through after last year's military coup, which removed the Bongo family from power, Archbishop Ibaba prayed that the Lenten season may help the faithful to turn away from sin and come closer to God so that a more just and fraternal society may be born in Gabon. He encouraged the faithful to share what they have with those in need, noting that it is a gesture of our love for God and for our neighbor. The Archbishop of Malange in Angola, His Grace Luzizila Kiara, has told the faithful who turned up for the opening of the National Meeting of Liturgy Coordinators in Angola in Rwanda on Friday that Lent, which began on Wednesday this week, should be a time to repent of our sins and to change something about ourselves so that we can be better and come closer to God. He encouraged them to fast because fasting enables us to acquire mastery over our instincts and freedom of heart. Archbishop Kiara called upon the diocesan delegates of the National Liturgy Commission to help the people of God live through the Lenten season through preparation, noting, however, that this preparation is more than a simple preparation for the celebration of Easter. The Association of Member Episcopal Conferences in Eastern Africa, AMESEA, has begun a 12-day resource mobilization training for social communications coordinators and representatives from Catholic media houses across the Episcopal Conferences of Zambia and Malawi, with the purpose of capacity building. The training started on Tuesday, February 13th, and is scheduled to end this coming Friday, February 23rd. The course covers a range of topics including effective communication strategies, use of digital platforms, and building sustainable partnerships. The participants are expected to gain skills in strategic approaches for fundraising, networking, and sustaining financial support for Catholic media projects. The government of Israel has requested the International Court of Justice to reject a South African application that the court issues additional emergency measures 
to protect the rights of Palestinians in the settlement of Rafah, where many who have fled Gaza have taken refuge. The application comes after the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu announced an offensive on Rafah. South Africa told the court that the announced offensive will kill more people and cause more suffering to Palestinian civilians. The International Court of Justice ordered Israel on 26th last month to take steps to limit harm to Palestinians in its war against Palestinian Hamas militants and to submit a report to the court within a month on all measures taken in response to the order. The fighting between Israel and Hamas started in October last year after Hamas militants invaded Israel and killed 1,200 people and took more than 200 others hostage. More than 28,000 Palestinians have been killed and more than 68,000 others have been wounded in Israeli strikes on Gaza, forcing many to flee with some going to Rafah. For more on what is happening in Rafah, here is Nathan Molly. On Saturday, Médecins Sans Frontières warned that Rafah was the end of the line as there was nowhere else for Palestinians to flee. The organization said 1.4 million people in the southernmost city face Israeli attacks, starvation and disease. Despite that, the Israeli War Cabinet Minister, Benny Gantz, has said that Israel would continue its offensive until all hostages were freed. On Friday, Israel's military claimed it had picked up terror suspects during a raid on southern Gaza's principal hospital, as staff and patients were forced to bolt under gunfire. Though Israel insisted it launched a precise and limited operation at the NASA hospital in Khan Yunis, accounts from the scene differed. In fact, medical staff inside the facility described chaos and shooting. They reported that at least one person had died and several others were injured and that they'd been forced to flee. Khaled Asa is a surgeon at the hospital. Shootings, bombings, every minute and every hour we have new sanctions from the Israeli army side. Since the early morning they communicated with the head of the administration of the hospital to move all the patients into one building. It was very difficult because the only patients left is patients who are unable to walk. And now the Israeli army, they are invading and uh, shooting inside uh, every floor in the building. For his part, Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari, a spokesman for the Israeli Defense Forces, said a participant in Hamas's attack inside Israel on October the 7th was detained at the hospital along with an ambulance driver for Hamas who had transported a hostage into Gaza. Nasser is one of the few hospitals still operating in Gaza and has been the scene of concentrated fighting between the Israeli army and Hamas since the middle of last week. Separately, Egypt has denied reports that it's constructing shelters at its border with Gaza to receive Palestinians in the event of forced displacement from the ongoing war. Elsewhere, the head of the UN Agency for Palestinian Refugees has claimed Israel is waging a concerted campaign aimed at destroying UNRWA. Philip Lazzarini says a demand for his resignation was part of the Israeli government's push. For Vatican Radio, this is Nathan Morley reporting. You are tuned to the English Africa service of Vatican Radio.
Hello and welcome to the World Around Us News About Our Environment. I am Festus Tarawali. Nearly half of the world's migratory species are in decline and the global extinction risk is increasing. That's according to the first ever State of the World's Migratory Species Report issued by the Secretariat of the Convention on the Conservation of Migratory Species of Wild Animals or CMS, a UN Biodiversity Treaty. Some whale species, sea turtles and jaguars are among the animals at risk, says the report launched this week at the opening of a major UN Wildlife Conservation Conference in Samarkand in Uzbekistan. For more on the findings, UN News's Anton Uspensky spoke to Amy Frankel, the CMS Executive Secretary, who began by providing the background to the treaty. The Convention on Migratory Species has its roots in the watershed meeting in Stockholm in 1972, which was the first ever UN meeting on the environment. And the reason for this treaty is very, uh, very straightforward, which is that the kind of animals that we're dealing with are those that migrate and cross national borders. And that means already that for their survival, for their well-being, for their conservation, we have to bring countries together. Because if one country doesn't protect a species that is endangered, let's say, and another one does, then, you know, we don't have an even playing field across the the range of the species. The basic premise of the treaty is to uh, identify species that need uh, to have some help in terms of their conservation status, that need to bring governments together to work on very specific and, you know, practical Uh, conservation solutions, as well as looking at cross-cutting issues, such as the kinds of threats that we have to deal with. Could you give a couple of examples of those uh, species which uh, demand special uh, attention and uh, also the threats uh, for those species? We deal with species in every type of environment, meaning uh, birds, avian species, terrestrial species, including mostly mammals, as well as aquatic species. So maybe starting with aquatic species, we have uh, numerous whale species, for example. All of the sea turtles, the great sea turtles, the reason they need to be on the treaty is because they encounter in their migration many kinds of risks, including bycatch in fisheries, uh, when we're talking in the oceans, as well as for turtles uh, in their nesting areas where they come to lay their eggs. There can be uh, destruction of those nests, light pollution can cause uh, stress and, and changes in the behavior and the gender even of the, the turtles in some cases. So that's one example. Moving to uh, the land, uh, we have species such as the jaguar, which is found in Latin America, a very important species that covers a very wide range. So it crosses so many different countries that it's, again, its survival is dependent on having uh, countries come together to agree on measures to protect it and, and make sure it, it continues to exist. These animals need to be able to move, but if they meet a road or a fence or a railroad, et cetera, they're not going to be able to travel. So looking at ways to ensure that there's good connectivity of for corridors for those species to move between areas and including across borders is also very critical. And then moving to to our skies, we have the most species listed on CMS, in fact, are bird species. And there are many different uh, species. Uh, Everyone has a favorite. Um, The osprey is one that I I love uh, because it's found everywhere in the world. 
And the osprey, it's a good news story in many places because, um, you know, one of the early threats to some species were some of the uh, chemicals that were used, uh, some of the insecticides, and the osprey were among the species uh, impacted, and they've recovered from that. The fact is that, you know, for each of the species that we deal with, there really are a set of circumstances where it's found and what countries have to be involved and what are the particular conservation needs and threats. Is there any particular results uh, the convention can be proud of? They picked out in the report 14 species in particular where there's been a lot of progress. Uh, that includes the humpback whale, and it was a combination of a reduce, reduction of commercial whaling, but also addressing other issues like bycatch uh, in fisheries, as well as ship strikes, which is another set of issues. Um, another good example is the vicuña, which is a beautiful animal found in the Andes. Um, and that animal also had been in very steep decline, and it's doing tremendously better. So it's just two quick examples. But the point is, we know what needs to be done. There is definitely a lot of reason for hope. And what we need is to, first and foremost, ensure that CMS is fully and effectively implemented. In some cases, we can have a regional approach. So, for example, we have an initiative in Central Asia. It's called the Central Asian Mammal Initiative. And all of the five Central Asian countries and a few others, including Mongolia, are at the table. And there we look at, uh, it's all um, species of antelope and gazelle. And the countries have agreed on a set of priorities. And, and there are some good successes, including the Saiga antelope, which had been in massive decline. And there's now maybe 2 million of them in Kazakhstan. So it's, it's really wonderful to see that kind of a result. That was Amy Frankel, the Executive Secretary of the Convention on the Conservation of Migratory Species of Wild Animals, or CMS, a UN Biodiversity Treaty. She was speaking to UN News' Anton Uspensky. And that's all for this edition of The World Around Us, news about our environment. Till the same time next week, I am Festus Tarawali. You have been listening to the English Africa service of Vatican Radio and I am Johnny Baptist Tomosime. In your next program at the same time tomorrow, you can hear our report with the Pope on Sunday. Praise be Jesus Christ. Laudetur Jesus Christus.